John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Every good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you are here. Thanks for braving the everlasting winter to actually come. So thanks. It's, spring's coming, I promise. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in. Uh, welcome. Uh, let me give you a quick update on what we're doing uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, through your generosity, we've been able to send over right around $85,000. That's been, yeah, thanks. Thanks. That's been divided among three organizations. Two organizations work with pastors and churches in the Ukraine and Belarus. And then another organization is working to evacuate orphans from orphanages in the Ukraine uh, to different countries. So please continue to pray uh, about all that's going on in that part of the world, both for the, the people of Ukraine and the people in Russia and all those who are receiving the refugees. But thanks. I love being a part of a church that can respond to different things that are happening around the world. All right, we are continuing our, our 10-week series on the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. John is answering the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The way you answer that one question will determine how you live your entire life. In fact, we could actually turn that upside down. Say, if, you, if I can see how you're living your life, I can tell you what you really think about Jesus. So what John has been doing in the first 11 verses is telling us about Jesus, and then in verse 12, he pivots and begins to tell us why it matters, why it matters. All right, uh, we are looking at verses 12 and 13, and I'm going to put these verses up on the screen and read them to you. You can just look up on the screen. This is what John says. Jesus, or, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I wanted you to go ahead and look up on the screen because I highlighted the three words that are going to be my three points. I want to talk about receive, believe, and become, all from verse 12. Actually, what I'm going to give you is three words. I'm going to read a letter and then uh, show you a story. So that's what you have, and then we'll be done. Three words, a letter, and a story. Our first word is receive. Uh, John, up to this point, uh, really, the verses right before verse 12, he's been saying that Jesus came in the world. The world didn't know him. He came into his own, and even his own did not receive him. And he starts verse 12 out, with the word, but. That is a great word. One of my favorite words in the whole Bible. I could have used that word as one of my words. Because what that word means is that everything before it is no longer true. All right, like if I say to you, uh, we thought our team was going to lose, but. We weren't going to have dessert, but. Right? As soon as I say that, I don't even have to finish the sentence. You know, the team didn't lose at one. You know, we are going to have dessert, right? Everything that goes before that word, like what it means when John says, but, he means that everyone didn't 
reject Jesus, that there were some who received Jesus. And of course, the question is, what does it mean to receive Jesus? All right, there's a, a brief and fairly terrifying story in Matthew chapter 17 that involves Jesus, Peter, James, and John, the author of this gospel. And this is the way the story begins. Chapter 17, verse 1 says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine just this week who said it's, when he reads uh, the New Testament, it seems like Jesus is never in a hurry. And he really imagine this, that Jesus came up to Peter, James, and John and just said, hey, come with me. But then it says they went up a high mountain. That means they wound their way up. This probably took hours, right? Then they, they get to the top of the mountain and this happens. And Jesus was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Right? So something happens to Jesus, and the only way they can describe his face was that it, it shone like the sun. Uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were able to watch a sunrise together. You've probably seen the sunrise. And it, it slowly crest. We were looking right at but as soon as it got above the horizon, we could no longer look at it. It was too bright. It was too painful. It was dangerous to look at the sun. That's the way to describe Jesus' face, that his face shone like the sun. And there were two people with Jesus that appeared with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Now, in the Old Testament, Moses is the one who gave the law to the Jewish people. And Elijah was arguably uh, the most famous prophet in the Old Testament. Now, for Peter, James, and John, both Moses and Elijah were huge figures. No one could speak into a Jewish person's life with the authority of the law and the prophets. Right? So Peter comes up with an idea. And uh, usually I'm not on Peter's side with his ideas. But this one, I, I'm, I think Peter had a good idea. And even he says, if you wish... I can build three tents, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Like he even asked nicely. And what he's saying is, Jesus, I want to put you on the same level of authority with the law and the prophets. And it says this, while he was still speaking, right, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. <laughs> I can only imagine that God's voice would be so powerful, it would shake your ribs, a lot like the bass <laughs> in some of our songs. I, I think, um, you know, in movies, they have James Earl Jones, you know, you know when he, that's the way God sounds. But I think uh, compared to God, I think James Earl Jones' voice sounds like thin, like, like, I, like my voice would sound if I sucked on a helium balloon, right? So I think God's voice was just unbelievable. And what God says is, this is my beloved son, listen to him. What's God saying? God is saying no one has authority 
like Jesus. So whoever speaks into your life with authority, your parents, your spouse, your friends, your children, your boss, influencers, whoever it is that is trying to tell you what to think about yourself, what to do, how to live, what God says is listen to Jesus. What does it mean to receive Jesus? It means to to listen to him. You ever uh, say something hard to someone and have them say, I receive that? What they're saying is, I don't just hear your words. I understand. I believe what you're saying is true, and that has changed the way I'm going to look at this. When we receive Jesus, it means that we hear him, that we We give him authority. You know, two weeks ago, I told you that the the problem with the brokenness in our world all goes back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, God makes Adam and Eve, and he places them in a beautiful garden and fills the garden with fruit trees, hundreds of fruit trees. And he tells Adam and Eve, you can have all of these. These are my gifts to you. Every tree, all the fruit, eat as much as you want. And then God says, But this one tree is my tree. My tree. Don't eat the fruit from my tree. Adam and Eve go and they eat the fruit of God's tree. And when they do that, they're not just disobeying. What they're saying to God is, you thought you were in charge, but you're not in charge. I'm in charge. It's my life. I get to make the decisions about my life. When John says you receive Jesus, what you do with Jesus is to say, Jesus, you have authority in my life. It's no longer mine, but you speak with absolute authority into me. When you tell me about who I am, when you tell me about who God is, and particularly when you tell me what it takes to have a relationship with God. And that brings me to the second word. The second word is believe. John says, but to all who did receive him and believe in his name. That's a phrase that we don't use very often anymore. I mean, I I don't know the last time I've heard that. Let's say, like if you were in town and somebody said, hey, you go to Christ Community Chapel, don't you? And you go, yeah, I do. They go, Joe Coffey's the pastor there, isn't he? And you go, yeah. And they say, do you believe in his name? You'd be going, "Mm, I don't know what you're saying. But what would be more common is if they said, oh, Joe Coffey's the pastor. What do you think about him? And when they say that, what they're saying is, do you trust him? You know, when you read the Bible, you'll notice that uh, God does some interesting things with names. Uh, It's not uncommon for God to change somebody's name. In the Old Testament, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. In the New Testament, he changes Simon's name to Peter. He changes Saul's name to Paul. And when God changes somebody's name, it's not on a whim. It's not because he just wanted wanted to call them something else. You know, uh, I like learning people's names. I try to learn as many names as I can. If you become a member, if you go through a reimagined class, you know, I try to get your name down so I can call you by name. A lot of you uh, know that. It'd be much easier if I could just call you whatever I wanted to call you. Like if you say, if I say, hey, what's your name? You say, Brian. I say, good. Okay, I'll call you Mitch. Right? <laughs> That's not what God's doing. 
When God changes somebody's name, he's changing their name to align with their essence, with who they really are. When you believe in Jesus' name, it means two things. One, it means that you are believing everything that John has said about Jesus so far, that this is his essence, that he is the one through whom all things were created, that he is the one who brings light and life to the world. But it also means that you trust him. When you believe in his name, you trust him actually more than you trust yourself. And this is what I mean. Two weeks ago, I uh, gave the challenge for you to spend an hour sometime before we finish this series and read the entire Gospel of John in one sitting. should take about an hour, 22 pages, and you can get through it. If you did that, or when you do that, what you will find is that John spends an inordinate amount of time uh, on the last week of Jesus' life. Chapters 1 through 11 cover, you know, John is giving this account of Jesus. Chapters 1 through 11 cover Jesus from before the beginning of time to the Monday of the week that he dies. From John chapter 12 to chapter 21, what John covers is the crucifixion, Jesus' death. And the question is why? And the reason is that Jesus went to the cross for you. And what I mean by that is this. No matter how hard you have tried to be a good person, you have failed in the eyes of God. But, there's that word again. It's the best word. No matter how hard you have tried to be a good person, you have failed in the eyes of God, but Jesus didn't. And what the... John will say is that Jesus went to the cross to pay for sins that were not his, but that were yours and that were mine. Theologians call that the great exchange. That when Jesus goes to the cross, God takes our sin and credits to Jesus, takes Jesus' goodness and righteousness and credits it to us. When I say believe in Jesus' name, what that means is that you trust in Jesus' goodness more than you trust in your own. And you believe that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go there for him. He went there for you. And that brings me to the last word, which is become. And what John says is that to those who did receive Jesus, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a relational word. Oh, and it's, it's not just any relational word. It is such an intimate word. It changes everything. It's, you know, God could have said that when Jesus was crucified for you, that it, it brought you in and made you his servant again, or made you, you, you could even be his friend, but he goes further than that. He says you become his child, and it's God's decision to make you his child. And that's why there's that image of adoption all the way through the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Adoption. 
Any idea what it means to become a son, to become a daughter of somebody because they chose you? Here at CCC, we're into adoption. Uh, We want to encourage families to adopt. We have an adoption fund, an adoption ministry that helps families to adopt and pay the cost of their adoption. But I promised you a letter. Sarah Coons is the director of our kids' ministry. She and her husband, Matt, adopted uh, a little girl named Hannah years ago. And uh, the other, like last week, uh, Sarah was giving a devotional for our staff, and she read a, a letter that she had written to Hannah. And it was such a powerful letter, I asked her and Hannah's permission to read it to you because I wanted you to feel what it would feel like for someone to be adopted. This is what Sarah wrote. Hannah, you are loved beyond anything you can imagine. You were loved before you were born by the God who knit you together and created everything about you. You were loved by your birth mom who chose to give you life and had the amazing courage to give you to a family that would care and love you. I loved you before I knew you. When dad and I started our journey of adoption, I knew God already had chosen the little girl who would be our daughter. And when I first saw your picture, I loved you. You were mine. I want you to know that as much as dad and I love you, and we love you a lot, Jesus loves you so much more. We're all adopted as children into his family, and I want you to remember that you are his first. Who you are is rooted in the deep love that Jesus has for you, Hannah. You are treasured not because of what you do or what you are able to achieve or accomplish, but because he made you his. The verse you love, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This talks about how God has you in his hands and his plan for you is so much better, so much greater than anything we can create on our own or imagine. Follow God always, rest in his perfect love for you, and remember that you are a hardworking, determined, kind, loyal, and beautiful young woman who I will always deeply love because God gave you to me. Sarah was trying to communicate to Hannah the depth of her love for her daughter who was adopted, who was chosen. When John says that when you receive Jesus, when you believe in him, he gives you the right to become a child of God. What he is saying is that God says to you, and and I think Matt and Sarah are great people, And I I love what she wrote. But their feelings and their love for Hannah pale in significance to the love God has for you. So this is what I want to tell you. If you have never, ever felt deeply loved, particularly by your parents, God loves you. God loves you. And with that love, when you become adopted by God, there come a couple of other things that I would just want to, there come a bunch of things, but let me just mention a couple. One is uh, a child has access to their parents. 
Like I uh, would always tell my kids, listen, if you come into the office and there's somebody in my office, I don't care who it is, knock, you come in because you have access. You know, I always think of that, that iconic picture and I, I had our, our team look it up. The iconic picture of uh, President Kennedy, right? How does a toddler get into the Oval Office? How does a toddler play and distract the, the most powerful man in the world at the time? The answer is, it access. Because he wasn't just any toddler. He was a child. He was a son of the president. So you don't know why the Bible says that you can pray at any time and God will hear you? It's not just because he's God and he can do everything. It's because you are his child. And you have access. And when you pray, God listens. He hears you. But the other thing that happens when you're adopted as a child is you receive an inheritance. Right? Depending on who adopts you. And if your inheritance is, this is what I know about inheritance. If your inheritance is enough, I mean, is just crazy, it'll impact your present life. Like if you know you're going to inherit tens of millions of dollars, you better believe it's going to impact whether you worry about money today because you know what's coming. That same chapter where Paul says that we are adopted, he is praying for the Ephesians and he says this, pray that the, your eyes of your hearts may be enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints. Listen, what it means is this. Once you're a child of God, what you have waiting for you is everything that your soul deeply longs for. And your soul will be filled up to the brim. And that can impact you today. As a, as a child of God, there is nothing I should be afraid of. Because becoming a child of God means that he provides everything. He will heal everything. He will give everything because he's already given me his son, Jesus. All right, I promised you a story. Okay, here's the story. I'm going to show you uh, a clip of a, a man named Ryan. Uh, Ryan uh, is a guy that uh, actually just went to restore, which is uh, about six years ago, our church decided we needed to respond to the opiate epidemic in some way. So we hired a guy named Dan Gregory. He said, and my charge to him was, Dan, you need to figure this out. And so uh, from that came uh, Restore Addiction Recovery, which is an in-house facility uh, where people can come, men can come in. Ryan was one of those men. I just met with Dan. And he told me before Ryan came in, not only was he a mess, with drugs, but he was also somebody who had never heard anything about Jesus. And I told you at the beginning that when you answer the question, who is Jesus, that answer by itself has the power to determine everything about your life. I want you to listen to Ryan as he tells his story and just watch the change and the transformation that has happened in him. Watch this story. Growing up in Indiana, um, came from a split family. Uh, parents divorced at a pretty young age. 
uh, bounced back and forth, which is understandable. I was kind of living with friends right before my senior year of high school and had an ultimatum uh, one day for my dad to either move in and quit tarnishing the family name um, or I can move with my mom in Chicago, who I hadn't seen in quite a while. Um, so in about 20 seconds, I made a decision to move to Chicago. Um, so kind of started a new life in a matter of minutes, and it wasn't a good one. About four months later, my mom went for a traffic court um, hearing, and she never came back home. Turns out she had embezzled a lot of money and got locked up in prison for a couple years. So I was on my own at that point. So I was lost. Um, I didn't understand it. I was definitely angry at the world. I was disappointed. I felt let down, but so much of my life had kind of been that. I had to take a hard look after I walked through these doors and really figured out what I was trying to do and why I was still so empty after having the money and finding a relationship and proposing to my ex-fiance. I had a child still not filling the void. Um, which eventually led to me kind of drinking more and ruining that relationship. Uh, I was scared of harming another human being the way that I felt I was harmed. It led to some really harsh realities, um, which led to my second attempt at taking my life. But little glimpses of, of God shots looking back, um, he placed a gentleman named Mike in my life who was a God-fearing man who tried to take me to church. He reached out a couple times, I didn't respond. Um, the fourth time he reached out, I finally did, told him how broken I was. Somehow he, he sent me a link to Restore. Um, and this was about two days after I had pretty much committed to um, ending my life uh, with fentanyl. I'd never done it, but I, I'd heard a, a pen prick um, in certain circumstances was enough to do the job, so I figured 200 bucks should get it done. I knew that I needed more time and I needed something to believe in. So I spoke to Dan and uh, Monday morning comes and um, after two days of my last hurrah, um, I packed up what I could fit in my Jeep, locked a door and kind of exited my old life and surrendered to a process that I really didn't know much about at the time. But it was the start of fellowship. It was the start of being relational again, ending the isolation. Uh, it was the start of hope. Phase one is typically downstairs for 30 days, um, kind of lifting the fog off you. Um, it's the building of your foundation. When I walked through the doors, um, I had never opened a Bible, read a Bible. So for me, it was really kind of just being a sponge down there, trying to figure out what this all was. And after 30 days, you move up into phase two, kind of deepen uh, some of your knowledge, get deeper into the Bible, Bible studies. And every single person here poured into me to a point where it was almost hard to believe that there was that much love and sincerity. and true care for another human being. I just hadn't experienced it before, but to kind of see it happening day after day, it's just amazing. Restore has, has done so much for me. Not just knowledge, but a sense of belonging, letting me understand who, who Jesus is. Yeah, I've been here four and a half months. 
I wasn't the same man that walked in here 30 days in, let alone 45 days or now, four and a half months. It's a daily shaping or sculpting, uh, refining, sharpening of a man here. It was the ultimate decision to be reborn. Uh, again, I never thought this feeling would ever enter my body existing on this planet. And now I just want more in every way, shape, and form. So trying to seek that out here as well um, through the church or through a store, even questioning my, my, my future. I'm only four and a half months in. It's a 12-month program, but I'm already wondering, where is he calling me? And I don't want to speak or put words in other people's mouths, but I've seen the amount of work and how much people have changed. Um, it's hard to understand that until you get in the building and really feel it happening and see God working through people, um, whether it's residents, volunteers, coordinators, churchgoers, people we don't even know who donate money. I mean, there's just not enough respect um, and there isn't an amount of gratitude that I could express to let you know how much that means and how much it does to every single man that walks through these doors. John says, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Some translations say the power to become children of God. Power to change. Power to redeem your past. To reclaim your present. To give you a future. Who is Jesus? How you answer that question has the power to change everything about you, to determine your entire life, because Jesus is the key to becoming a son, to becoming a daughter of the living God. If you have already done that, and you're like me, and it happened a long time ago, be reminded of just the wonder of it all. And the Bible is that like the letter that Sarah wrote Hannah, but the Bible's written for you to remind you of that love. But if you're here and you have never come into contact with God like this or felt the love of God like this, this is God's offer to you. Receive, believe, and become. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, your great uh, gift to us that you are the one because of your sacrifice on the cross, because of your resurrection, because of your life, we can have life and we can become uh, children, sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you. Uh, we come to you and we worship you and we're grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.